0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your
1: Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It got heated during the break here. Like, again, I'm not... Except
2: we're all in agreement. We're all
0: all yelling about the same thing. Listen, I don't want to slag Matthew Phillips. I don't. But dude's that size like what do you, you think all, this guy's gonna be a star all, like
2: all i am wanted to see him is like hey just good for you man he's getting his chance he's played more minutes this preseason yeah. than he has in his entire flames career it's yeah, but, good for him
0: like but but like thinking the flames are losing like no. martin san louis 2.0 no, no god, you're no. not
2: god no 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 this no
0: settle down it's
3: all good it's all good
0: yeah Fine. Okay. And he went. To, and he went to it. Washington for
2: a reason, right? There's a there's a friend of his yeah, there. Yeah.
0: He followed the coach.
2: Also, and
3: like I love that everyone's like blaming the organization here. Like, also the, the
2: guy in charge now was like one
3: of the biggest proponents of Matthew Phillips. So, also past regime.
0: The um Hershey Bears are a team that they is don't. serious about winning. Yeah. And that's a big reason
2: why he potentially. Oh, well, it's one two. way. He's, he's on, on a, a one way deal, but
3: yeah. nevertheless, so
2: they'd lose him if maybe.
3: He does have to go through waivers, yeah. but. And that being said, he was going to get a one-way deal anywhere he went. Yeah. Like if mm. he was here with the Flames, it would have been a one-way deal. Like you, you don't get a year in the NHL or in the AHL like that. And it's kind of the transition I would say. Mm.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, bottom of the hour, Nick Kiprios. But right now he is the voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Joining us from Minnesota, Dan Shoman. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well. How you guys doing? Good. Thanks for jumping on, Dan. Um, where does Minnesota rank? Minneapolis in your um,
1: cities to visit
0: in Major League Baseball.
1: Well, I'll be honest. That's not the first question I was expecting to get today after a playoff loss. <laughs> but, um, I, I like to ease things an... in,
0: Dan. I like to dip yeah, my toe in the good. water yeah. a little bit, wade yeah. through the
1: water. All right. Yeah. Um, I have it in the the sneaky good category, actually, so I like it. Um, Yeah, well, I love the ballpark, absolutely love the ballpark. Um, We have a nice booth to broadcast from. Um, The hotel's pretty close to the ballpark, so, you know, all those things come into play. But um, I I enjoy it. Some nice restaurants, a couple of good bars. And Mm. and, uh, so, uh, yeah, I've got this as one of the places I try to make sure uh, I get to every year.
0: What's the worst broadcasting booth in baseball?
1: the worst booth in baseball. Well, well Oakland, Oakland is certainly okay. on the Leah Oakland's on the yep. list for the worst ever, you, you know, fill in the blank, but, but <laughs> yeah, the booth is not good. The ballpark's not good. I mean, it's, you know, I feel for the, for the few fans who remain of the Oakland A's. but it, it's, um, uh, Oakland's not great. Some of them are just really small, right? Like you go to Wrigley Field, it's tiny, but it's Wrigley Field. So, you know, yeah. you, it, everything else about the experience is, is really cool. So, but, uh, yeah, I would say uh, Oakland is the first one I think that comes to mind.
3: We're joined in booth by a live possum.
1: Yeah, I mean. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, yeah, I'm not insured against that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: of a sudden, you and Buck have a broom just in case right. in, the, right. uh, in the broadcast booth. Um, obviously, uh, Dan, 18-game losing streak in the playoffs, snapped by the Twins uh, by beating the Blue Jays. Um, what was the biggest takeaway from you in that game? Is it the runners in scoring position? Is it Bo blowing through Luis Rivera's stop sign at third? Is it maybe pulling Kevin Gosman a little too early? What was your number one takeaway from yesterday?
1: Uh, it was none of those things, actually. Really? I, I I didn't put a. I, I don't even know what they were with runners in scoring position. I didn't. Um, I didn't think about that. I don't think I. I'm, I'm not sure if I ever mentioned that on the air. It was um, clearly uh, Gosman was not at his sharpest, and um, you know Royce Lewis had a, I mean Royce Lewis is the story of the game, right? I mean the first two playoff at bats, he hits home runs, but the you know Minnesota's been as we said umpteen times last night. Minnesota's been a real challenge for Gosman. They just have a really good approach against him, I guess. And they didn't chase very much. His location wasn't very good. I'm not sure there's any issue with lifting him when they did. The bullpen was great. So the bullpen went four scoreless innings after that, so that didn't hurt them at all, obviously. I I think it was, you know, the the Gosman experience with Minnesota – Royce Lewis coming off the I.L. Not having played in a game in two weeks and hitting two home runs. And and the other one was, um, I think that sticks with me. And this is just how baseball is sometimes. You know, Matt Chapman hit a ball 401 feet. If he hit it 403, um, the Blue Jays might have won that game last night. It's yeah. just, you know, sometimes sometimes that happens. So those are the things I think that um, stick out to me.
0: Is, is the Bo Bichette uh, running through the stop sign? Is that kind of a, a snapshot uh, the twenty-three Blue Jays just trying to do too much.
1: Yes, I, I think so. Um, I, I've watched. I watched the play this morning, and I, I saw you know two or three different sources, so two or three different angles. Um, I could. I did not realize again until I had watched it today how far away from the ball Carlos Correa was at the moment. Bo was rounding third, and Correa. You know there there can be blame on the blame side. There can also be credit on the credit side. I didn't love the play by Bichette. I think having an opportunity to have the bases loaded, um, and I know Chapman has not been great this year, but to having an opportunity to have the bases loaded is something, you know, you've got to be 100% sure that you're going to score. But I also thought Carlos Correa made an incredible play, like an incredible play. He he must have gone 50 feet to get that ball. And, and you know, I was watching the video and I paused it. Like at the moment, Bichette's at third, where the ball is, where Correa is, and in my, you know, I know what happened, obviously, but you look at it when it's frozen and you say, there's no way he can do this. And he did, he he made a fantastic play. So, uh, but it is a bit of a, a snapshot of the Blue Jays uh, trying to do too much um, on the bases. And they were supposed to be a good base running team. They were not a good base running team um, this year. They have some great base runners, Kiermaier and Varsho, great base runners. But yeah, I think Bo was, you know, maybe it's just, they're not hitting. So, People are trying to make uh, you know uh, an extra play to score a run here or there, ignite things a little bit, but just didn't work out last night.
3: With Kevin Gossman, a lot of talk about the splitter against the Twins, his struggles against the Twins. Do you think there were any other adjustments that could have been made maybe prior to the game as far as the plan goes that would have allowed him to have a better outing against this team?
1: Mm, not really. I mean, he is what he is, and we talked about it last night. Like, If Chris Bassett is struggling with one of his pitches against a certain team, He's got more ways to adjust to that because he's got so many different pitches. Kevin Gosman's high end might be the highest of anybody on the staff, but he's basically a two-pitch pitcher. He'll throw the odd slider here and there to a right-handed batter, but he's basically a two-pitch guy. If they're not chasing one of them, there's a problem. And and Minnesota, for whatever reason, again, has given him more trouble than any team that he's faced. And he knows it. He talked about it in the press conference extensively two days ago because he was asked a lot of questions about it. Um, You know, the adjustments, I don't think his command was great. So some of the splitters were in the dirt. They're not going to chase those. But again, I think Minnesota is just unusually capable for whatever reason of being really disciplined and not chasing. So it was a tough matchup, um, in the final, over the final weekend of the season, when according to my Twitter feed, 98% of blue Jay fans were clamoring for Minnesota. Buck and I were like, Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think so. Like Tampa Bay's beat up and the blue Jays just won two out of three down at the drop. So those ghosts are dead. Um, you know, and they've got injuries and we thought Tampa Bay was a better matchup than Minnesota. And this is one of the reasons, um, uh, obviously, you're starting Gosman in the series. Like I've seen some ridiculous stuff like, how could you start up? You're not going to, he's one of the five best pitchers in the league. You're not gonna not start him um, uh, just because the team has given him um, challenges. but um, you know, so I was on our you know our Vancouver station yesterday, and they said, "How are we going to know how it's going to go? How early are we going to know how it's going to go?" And I said, when Edward Julian leads off the game, and I'll, I'll tell you this because it's kind of funny, but like, not funny, like Gallo's humor funny. But I said, <laughs> if Julian walks and it's a two walk inning and, and Gossman throws 29 pitches, that's a problem. And Julian walked and there were two walks and he threw 28 pitches in the, in the first inning. So like you could see right out of the shoot, they were, they were on him. And, and I don't know, you know, he would have had to have been the absolute best version of himself um to, to, get deep into the game and the other thing is for whatever reason the blue jays never score when he pitches never he has yeah. uh like just about the just about the worst run support in baseball and if he goes four innings and gives up three runs but it's five three blue jays at the time obviously we're talking about things uh in a completely different game but they just don't score when he's on the mound how would you approach
3: uh royce lewis today
1: Carefully. very carefully um he is a great, great, great fastball hitter. Uh, so if I'm Jose Barrios, um, and so the first home running, he was off a 97-mile-an-hour fastball right on the inside corner. The second one was in the middle of the plate. But he's a great fastball hitter. I would have to be extremely, extremely, extremely careful with fastballs. Now, Jose Barrios can really, really spin the ball, as we know, the slurve or whatever you want to call it. And so – I would expect to see a lot of that, but I don't know if you can just go up there and throw the guy five slurs in it at that. So you'll have to mix in a fastball, maybe you mix in a change up a little bit, but um, I'd be extremely careful with him because his ability to hit a fastball statistically and as we saw last night is elite.
0: Dan Showman, the voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. How long is the leash on Jose Barrios today, because I saw the Ben Nicholson-Smith tweet about that Bassett potentially could be ready to go if need be. How long do you think that leash is today, Dan, obviously in an
1: elimination game for the Blue Jays? Right, it's short. It has to be short. And, and I think Kikuchi is in play uh, in more scenarios than Bassett. Yeah, and we talked about it last night with this Minnesota lineup. Um, they would leave Kepler in, but ju- they've got some left-handed batters who don't hit lefties at all. Uh, Julian and Kirilov and Walner, three of their starters, uh, don't hit lefties at all. So if Barrios gets in trouble, I would not be surprised at all to see – it could be Mesa or Cabrera, but also to see Yusei Kikuchi up early. Um, And you throw him out there for two or three innings, and now you force Rocco Baldelli to make a decision. Either he leaves those lefties in there against Kikuchi, which is an advantage for the Blue Jays because Rocco wants those lefties in later, or he pulls them and brings in Solano and Farmer, the right-handed batters, and then if Kikuchi can get through those guys, then when John Schneider goes back to the right, he's in the bullpen now the advantage lies with the Blue Jays, so um, I thought and continue to think, and listen, the series could be over in, nine, in eight and a half innings, but um, that you say Kikuchi was going to play a large role in this series because of the way the Minnesota lineup is put together. It's kind of like a Tampa Bay team, not maybe not so much this year, but some of the really good Tampa Bay teams where – if the four lefties are in the lineup, the four righties are on the bench waiting to pinch hit. If the four righties are in the lineup, the four lefties are on the bench waiting to pinch hit. Rocco Baldelli's got a lot of flexibility and versatility. But I think the Blue Jays, because the lefties don't hit lefties well, except for Kepler, um, I think Kikuchi could have a big role in tonight's game.
0: Uh, Dan, none of us want to do the postmortem on the Blue Jays uh, tomorrow. But if they lose this game today, what does that potentially mean for the general manager or the manager and I know they've had a good season playing in that murderer's row that is the American League East far and away the best division in baseball making the playoffs all the good vibes of of persevering being down in the dumps this season fighting back winning as many games as they did but if they get swept in this series back-to-back years you think there'll be changes general manager or managerial wise no
1: I don't um I think the front office, <clears throat> excuse me, and they're, they're not perfect. Um, the, you know, there have been mistakes made, obviously, but um, I think they put together a team that could have and maybe still could be good enough to compete for a championship. Um, you know, the, the the front office isn't to blame for whatever happened with Alec Manoa this year, right? And um, the front office, I don't think, is isn't to blame for – guys, and there are like four or five of them just hitting significantly below their career numbers. So um, I don't I don't think Ross Atkins or John Schneider are in any difficulty. I've been wrong many times on on many things. Uh, but I, what I think firstly, if they lose tonight, it would be tremendously disappointing. There's yeah. no way to sugarcoat it. It would be tremendously disappointing to have this team squeak into the playoffs and not win a game. Um, and they would have to go back to the drawing board because in all likelihood, Belt, Merrifield, Kiermaier, and Chapman aren't going to be here. So those are four of your nine or four of your 10 or 11, however you want to say it. Uh, I think a couple of those spots might be filled from within and should be filled from within. Um, but they're going to have to go out and get a couple of bats and like real bats, you know, and, uh, and you know, go back to the drawing board with Vladdy and see if they can get him back, um where he needs to be and figure out what's going on with Manila and, and so on. So um, there would be a lot to do in the off season as there always is, but I don't think either one of them would be in, uh, in, uh, have any job security issues.
3: Any lineup changes you might ponder for this game today?
1: No, I don't I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know what you would do. I think you want the left-handed bats. I haven't dug into Sonny Gray's right-left splits, to be honest with you. That's on my like, to-do uh, agenda this morning. Um, but I think this is who they are. Um, you know, do you put – I don't think you're putting Merrifield in the lineup. Witt hasn't been swinging the bat uh, well lately. Do you take a shot with David Schneider, hit two doubles on Sunday? You want to, you know, spice things up a little bit, mm-hmm. hope he can run into one. Um, okay, but then you're not sitting Cabin Vigio, I don't think. I know we went 0-4 last night, but I, don't, but I don't I don't think you're seeing, sitting Vigio. So where do you play Vigio? You know, who? so who else would sit? Um, you know, I, I guess Varsho would be the guy, but I don't think they're going to do that with, with the defense and him having a left handed bat. So again, I haven't looked at at gray splits yet, but the only one I think is even remotely possible is that David Schneider gets a start, but I think they'd rather hold him back for a spot. Uh, to pinch hit with a man on, you know, where a home run can change a game. I, I, I think they roll with the same nine in the same order um, as they did last night.
0: Dan, talk about the timing of that Gabby Moreno home run after the Blue Jays <laughs> lose that game yesterday.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and I know, like, I get it. That trade after year one um, has not looked has not looked good. Um, you know, the Blue Jays going into the offseason last year had three catchers, um, and they needed left-handed bats. And they wanted to improve defense and base running. And on the surface, uh, I got it. I did not expect Guriel to be in the trade. To be honest with you, I thought Moreno for Varsho even up was um, was interesting. I've heard people say. They could have just traded Guriel for Varsho. There's no way. There's absolutely no way that could have happened. Lourdes had, was coming off a down year and had one year left until free agency. Varsho has four. Like, there's no way that trade would have been made. And I've had people say, why didn't they just trade Kirk instead of Moreno? Because Kirk didn't have the trade value that Moreno had. Right. Um, so, yes, I think they gave up a lot. I really, really do think they gave up a lot. And um, – you know, they could regret trading Moreno. He could develop into an all star kind of guy. I also believe Dalton Varshow is going to hit a lot better next year than he hit this year. And I think and if and if you guys follow the Blue Jays, you know, like there's a tremendous amount of base of base running and defensive value with Dalton Varshaw. I mean, he literally led the major leagues in defensive run saves this year, which, you know, by by that metric says he was as good a defensive player as there was in baseball. The problem is he hit 220, and and that's the first thing that jumps out at people, especially the very casual fans. I, I thought it was a tough spot for Varsho coming into the season. Um, you know, Hit in the middle of the lineup, which was the plan at the beginning of the year. Hit in the middle of the lineup, balance our lineup because you're a lefty. You'll hit better at, the, at this ballpark because we did the renovations and moved the fences in, and this is supposed to be a World Series team. That's a lot of pressure for a guy, 26-year-old guy getting traded for the first time in his career, so... Um, Yeah, it's a trade that may turn out well long term, may not. Um, You know, the story is still to be told, but I understand that people who don't like the front office, obviously you're going to jump on that right away as soon as uh, Moreno hits a home run. So, but, um, you know, they've done some things that have been really good. They've done some things that haven't worked out at all. And I I think it's too soon. We, you know, we'll, I I think this trade can be, um, you know, better analyzed a few years from now. But right now, obviously, it looks like the Diamondbacks have gotten
3: the better end of the deal thought the best crowd yesterday was for the Phillies. What did you make of the atmosphere in Minnesota? And how do you think it could change if the Jays maybe get out to
1: an early lead? Um, it was great last night. You know, this is, uh, as you guys know, they had lost 18 consecutive playoff games. That's a long time, over 19 years. And, and um, you know, so, like, for example, if you had a, a, an 18, a grade 12 student, an 18-year-old kid going to see a game, he wasn't alive the last time they won a playoff game. <laughs> so they were hungry. And they did their job. They were great. uh they got on Gosman's case, um, and when Lewis Homered, they went nuts, and they were loud the rest of the night. And There were a few thousand blue Jay fans it looked like, but they just got drowned out. You know and there was never really much for them to cheer about, right, to be honest. So um the fans did what fans are supposed to do um in a playoff game. And I imagine um they'll come out even louder tonight if the twins get off to an early lead. this is one of the things. And I've talked about it a lot Um, over the course of the season that I just don't understand is the first inning issues that the blue Jays have had. It is their lowest scoring inning of the nine innings this year. That's insane because you're sending up your top of the order hitters every single time, obviously. And they've scored, I think it was like 64 runs in the first inning this year or something. And all the other innings were like 70, 75, 78, 86. And then with this unbelievable starting rotation, and it has been unbelievable They give up a ton of runs in the first inning. I think so their run differential in the first this year was like minus 30. And over the rest of the innings, it was plus 105. And two things. You fall behind, the other team's fans get energized, and you fall behind. This team is not equipped to make comeback after comeback after comeback. They're, They're just not good enough offensively. And it just baffles me why, on both ends, why the offense has struggled in that inning more than any other inning, and why the pitching, which is really good, has struggled as much as it has in the first inning. The uh, the offensive part more so. And it just I can't tell you how many times I've said this year and so and so retires the Blue Jays in order with the top of the first or the bottom of the first. And it, it just feels like I've said it uh, night after night after night. And you know when you're not a good offensive team, you can't throw more obstacles out in front of yourself. And playing from behind is not the way this team is uh, built to win.
0: Uh, Dan, before I let you go, obviously uh, you did a fantastic job uh, calling Canada's uh, bronze medal at the FIBA Worlds. How excited are you for the Olympics next summer? We're hearing guys like Steph Curry and LeBron saying they're all in for Team USA. And if Andrew Wiggins and Jamal Murray can play for Team Canada, like how exciting should Paris be this summer?
1: It should be great. And I hope they get, you know, I thought about Murray more than Wiggins because they were in different situations. One guy quote committed and one guy didn't so you know if Murray wants to play Murray's going to play Uh, I saw Shaden Sharp say that he expects to play I don't know if Canada basketball knows that yet but you know they could add some guys to the team and they would have to add some guys to the team I think too um, in order to medal at the Olympics because like you said Team USA will be stronger and we could see Embiid and we could see Wemby and we could see Jokic and you know all, all the great men all the great players, Um, you know, if Greece makes it Giannis, who knows, but um, I'm extremely excited. You know, I've kind of put it in the back of my brain right now I've got baseball, then I've got college basketball and then, and then it'll come around the bend next year. But um, I, I follow all of the uh, relevant Twitter accounts that are, you know, there are a lot of detectives out there and I follow a lot of those accounts on Twitter and and try to keep track of what's going on. And I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I'm happy For basketball fans, you know, there was a chance even if Canada didn't qualify out of the World Cup, they could have done it through one of these last chance tournaments. But then it would have been months and months and months of anxiety. Now it's months and months and months of momentum and excitement. And and that's great for everybody involved.
0: Uh, Dark horse to cut down the nets and March Madness right now that I should bet on, Dan? way too soon in, okay. in my head for that i i All am right.
3: uh, <laughs> trying to I'm get some odds yet. over
0: I, fourth <laughs> like dan uh, you just told me to you, you you just told me to bet on the twins in the first inning money line i have that yeah, soul yeah, already yeah. holstered oh, but no, also i, I was I, just I, hoping for a big yeah. <laughs> dog i could throw a bet down
1: for cutting down the nets no, i've uh i've just gotten over the double dip with canada basketball and the blue jays and uh, this is this is a full-time job on its own, so uh, I'm not sure when the Blue Jays will be eliminated, but if, if they get eliminated tonight, I turn into a college basketball announcer tomorrow. So uh, okay. in a couple of weeks, I might be able to help you, but I haven't dug in on all
0: that. All right. Uh, let's hope it's a long, long playoff run yes. for the Blue Jays. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks for this. We'll be watching today. All right, guys. Thanks. There he is in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Twins money line first inning. Uh no,
3: I, I, I don't, no. I don't want to win that bet.
0: Okay. I don't want to win that bet. The Jay's got to, they got to have a lead here early. Qadri well, said Jays in three, so. Okay. I'm going with Nazem. All right. We saw a lot of that yesterday. <laughs> Jays Acro- in three. Across the NHL. But Dan brings up a great point because mm-hmm. of course he does because he's super smart and he's incredible what he does. Could be a lot of changes to the Jays here. They lose this game.
3: Well, who are the four players you listed off there? Chapman, Chapman, Witt,
0: Kiermaier, Kiermaier. Merrifield, and... um, There's a fourth one that he mentioned there
3: as well, but they're four of their nine starting players.
2: Yeah. So, and it's, uh, it's... Have you seen enough
3: from the guys down
2: below? Well, I mean, Davis Schneider's probably on your opening day roster for sure. That's the one guy. You uh, sure about that? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think, that. I mean, yeah, yeah, as a bench player, as a, he should be on your opening day roster. I'm not saying okay. starting. All right. Uh, yeah, it, it's, same deal with Horwitz. Yeah, like the same. With, yeah, what, is he Horowitz. going to be there? Is he going to be ready? Uh you got Addison Barger at third, who's coming up. Um. I don't know that they about like the free agent market, but this the free agent is market is bad. It's a very bad people. free agent market. Yeah,
0: but you can also get there and make some trades. It's going to be through the trades, mm-hmm. and
2: Toronto's always been active in the trademark in the off season, but they don't exactly have the prospects to pull from. So I don't know. It's going to be a real big off season here with with Mark Shapiro and, and Ross Atkins. This is eight years with this regime now. Yep. Eight years, no playoff victories, and um, six no, playoff, playoff
0: losses. Twenty sixteen.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was their first year. Sorry, 2016 yeah. was Atkins, and that was bad. Since.
0: Yeah. Um, and then you see what Alex is doing with the Braves, building an incredible baseball team. Yeah. And signing Ronald Acuna Jr. to probably the best deal in sports. <laughs> and he's getting paid $100 million. Yeah. And uh, he is uh, an incredible player. All right, uh, Nick Kiprios next. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll look around the NHL. And um, are we in Calgary underestimating the Calgary Flames? Compared to the rest of the league? Hmm? Hmm? How the rest of the league views this team? Hmm? Are we? We'll talk to Nick next. It's the big show, Russick and mm-hmm. Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan at the top of the hour. The head coach and general manager of your Calgary Stampeders, Dave Dickinson, will join us. CFL trade deadline today. Yeah, I'm sure Dave's working the phones. 3.30, I think it
2: is. We'll find out. Are we, we're sure about that? It's the CFL All I've deadline. seen is Wednesday afternoon, so. I've seen 5.30 Eastern, so, I don't know.
0: Um, our next guest, uh, Nick Kiprios, co-host of Rio born sports Sportsnet Analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Nick, good morning. How aware were you that today is the CFL trade deadline?
4: All right, isn't everybody glued to their sets all afternoon now?
0: The coverage just began. It's at the top of the hour. It's going (laughs) to (laughs) be.
4: I'm still a little weary of uh, opening up this segment to uh, the The Leafs goal song. Yeah. Uh, Are you guys aware of that?
0: Did they change it, or are they going to keep this one?
4: Well, it's interesting. Uh, Our good friend Elliot Friedman uh, mentioned something last week, which was – uh, to get rid of it, and uh it it opened up a hornet's nest, i think uh down at uh <laughs> leaf headquarters because I don't think there's too many people happy with Elliot right now but the- but apparently it's staying really so, mm. yes, mm. and it is a very what i'm told a very sensitive subject. Can you imagine that? You haven't won a cup since 1967. <laughs> and yet people are, you know, there's people under a multi-billion-dollar corporation going, get rid of it, keep it, get rid of it.
0: It's <laughs> like, like it's just, it's so stupid, and like the that song, song too. Like it makes no sense to be a goal Why? song too. Like it just makes no sense. Oh god I know because it was it started with John Tavares signed and, you know they're gonna make their dreams come true and the Leafs are gonna win the Stanley Cup. It's like all right, you've Tyler had playoff failure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like playoff failure after playoff failure. You know you know what we should do? Keep the goal song. Like change things up a little bit. All right. Um Nick wanted to ask you this. Are we in Calgary down on the flames? More than anybody else in the NHL, that the Flames are kind of viewed as a team that should make the playoffs and are a threat in the Western Conference.
4: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Listen, if you, uh, you know, if you were to rate every team in Canada, to uh, you know, a lot, lots of talk about Matt it took leaving because, you know, the scrutiny in Canada and how much easier it is to walk in flip-flops down in Florida and not anyone bothering you. But if you were to rate each city from you know, being under that microscope or the scrutiny or the constant pressure, you know, where would Calgary rate out of 7 teams? Let me throw that to you guys. Hmm.
0: I think they're the third best team in Canada.
4: No, no, no. No, I not the when when I ask you where they would rate. Mm. I'm talking about the pressures of being in Canada or having to live up to expectations uh from their fan base or you know me, media scrutiny on a daily basis. Well, where would Calgary rank? Would you put Would you put Montreal number one, Toronto number one, Vancouver number one? Yeah, where would Calgary be? Yeah, fifth for
0: me. Fifth? Who's ahead? Well, obviously Montreal. Like the media there is is ruthless. They Mm -hmm. follow the players to the bars. Like it's very tabloidy in Montreal. Toronto being there, sure. And Toronto's like the coverage is like just all over the Leafs. But I don't particularly think Nick it's that brutal. I think they're more brutal in Vancouver towards their team yep. than they are for the Leafs. There's just a lot of leaf coverage. Fans
3: are also brutal in yeah, Vancouver, but they're the not team. as
0: brutal to the team as they maybe are in Vancouver or Montreal. Yeah. But I'm trying to think. And like, then
3: Edmonton, you have they two love superstars their who have still not yet won. Yeah, but, but they, love, they do
0: really enjoy their team. Yes, like Ottawa, meh, Winnipeg. Yeah, meh. Mm. yeah. 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 I,
4: I I totally agree with you guys. Um, when I think about how difficult it is and, and, and managing expectations for players in Calgary, they're, they're, you know they're not in the, the top four when it comes to that that type of uh, scrutiny yeah. on a daily basis. So you know, just to go back to your original question on you know expectations and, and why I think Calgary fam, fans are a real you know, are easier on their players than most other places in Canada. So I I don't get the sense that, you know, uh, there's a ton of pressure on this team, but enough to know that uh, they should be better than they are. Um, if they miss the playoffs, you know, uh, will it be a huge surprise coming off of last season? Um, it all depends on, I guess, the growth of, of, of of where the teams are and some of the young players. And Coronado, is he the real deal? Is mm-hmm. he not? Can he stay top six? Can he not? We'll get those answers, I think, uh, fairly early in, in the month of October.
0: How many GMs are watching this Elias home situation?
4: Everybody, I guess. I mean, why wouldn't you? Is he, is he a guy that uh, can be in another uniform as early as next year? Or, you know, is he he's going to be a Calgary Flame for, for for multi years moving forward here, but he's a heck of a hockey player, and uh, I still think there's a chance that uh, he will sign uh, a long-term goal. I think, you know, for the most part, uh, the way the city, or w- the way the team finished last season, and you know, the changes with Brad Triv living out, and Conroy in, you know, the vibe has been pretty good moving forward, and you know, there's some things that uh, you're looking forward to, and that includes some of the young players coming in and uh, ingesting some some much-needed youth, enthusiasm, and en- energy.
3: Wondering about this new defensive system for the Flames and, and mostly how long it should take for them to kind of get a handle on a new defensive system with also a new head coach
4: a chemistry thing and there's just absolutely no way you could read on 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 how quickly it it forms or how quickly guys are comfortable with and um there's just no real easy answer for that um but you know there seems to be a ton of respect you know for the coaching staff there's a ton of respect that uh you know there's no no individual that's bigger than the team, and you know, you, sometimes you want to you, you want to go out of your comfort zone and try stuff. The question is, how how far do individuals push on that um, and escape that that team concept or that that, that system? But that just goes to a, a discipline um, situation, and you know, again, we're we're going to learn a lot in the next you know four, five, six weeks, of course. Everybody talks about American Thanksgiving, which, you know, don't look now, but isn't that far off here. So uh, we'll we'll see if Calgary gets out of the gate early and gains some momentum. Then there's going to be some beliefs that this team, once again, should be challenging in the Western Conference.
3: We've talked about maybe seeing three goalies here in Calgary. It, I'm unsure if they're actually going to do that. It sounds like Dustin Wolf's probably going to go down to the AHL, but how would that affect a player on a team when they had three goalies on the main roster?
4: Yeah, I always hated it. You know, the worst is like trying to find a spot for the third goalie to stand during practice. Like every time I went down the, every time I went down the boards, I'd run into it with the third goalie, you know? Like, what do you do? Go to the Zamboni entrance, I don't know, sit on the bench. But uh, it's just, it is an awkward scenario. I don't care how close these guys talk about, you know, liking each other, respecting each other. At the end of the day, hey, there's only one net, and there's either two or three guys, and they all want it. You know, so um, it's it's not a great scenario, I can tell you that. I don't care what anybody says um but you know when you look at uh, wolf i mean talking about uh, you know maybe one of the best goalie prospects out there that you know isn't in the nhl and uh you know with him you know being around um it does it does put a lot of pressure on on two other goalies uh, you know despite what they say
0: Nick Kiprios, uh, the uh, host of Real Kipper and Born on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network, Sportsnet Analyst, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Two preseason games left for the Flames. Um, Nick, when you played in the league, how thrilled were some veterans who were guaranteed to be on the team when they had to play in those types of games?
4: You know, it's, uh, it, again, it's just a very individual thing. Some guys don't want it, don't need it. uh you know, sometimes it's like, what's the point? Uh, but others want to get their repetitions in. They want to get, want to get in some sort of rhythm here. Uh, you know, you want to feel comfortable with a, a line mate, and you want to show that you're in a position to warrant staying on this particular line, and you do that uh, by showing a level of consistency. And it and guys are happy to do it uh, at the start of training camp, you know, from inter-squad games to exhibition games to the regular season. So, you know, is it a switch? Can you turn things on and off? Because you've left an exhibition s- schedule to the regular season schedule, and now, you know, everything's going to fall in place. Sometimes it works for players and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, it really comes down to you as an individual and what you need to to best prepare to start the season,
0: Nick, have you ever had a coach yell at uh, your team, your players in the room during a preseason game? Has that ever happened in your career?
4: Yes, <laughs> yeah, very not uncommon at all, and this just goes to show you the the, the competitive nature of of when you're at the highest level here and I don't care what it is, exhibition game. Like I said, inter squad game. I was on a flight with Mike Leute and we're playing cribbage on the plane. Okay. And we almost got in fisticuffs. Like he, he punched me. I mean, because he thought I, I, uh, I over pegged. Did and you? I'm like, I might've, you know what? I I got, I got, big meaty fingers and perhaps I, I skipped a, a hole or two on the, on the crib board, yeah. but like guy wants to win. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. And, you know, coaches, coaches, aren't the most secure guys in the world. Newsflash, right? Like bad habits can snowball as quickly as good habits can, So getting yelled in a preseason game uh, because of effort or a lack of focus, uh, inconsistencies, uh, you know, they want to nip anything bad in the bud right away here. Mm. And if it means waking guys up during a preseason game, then that's what they do, and that's what they should do.
0: Uh, Nick, how long do you think the honeymoon period lasts for Ryan Huska? Is it just the first losing streak and then it's over? Like, how much no. leash do players give a new coach?
4: Yeah, he's going to get a ton. Guys, they all do, and you know, for Craig Conroy to 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 go to Ryan means that uh, you know he believes in him, and uh, you know you're not going to read anything, you know, and then in 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 two months or in four months or even in six months. To be honest with you, and you know if if things if things falter early for Calgary. It'll be a it'll be a roster situation. It wouldn't be a coaching situation, um, you know, unless you know he comes out and tries to reinvent the wheel here. Um, I don't see that happening for Ryan. I, I you know he's going to get a year or two here to 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 prove that uh, you know he's he's worthy of the job and that he can build and uh, you know the focus. On the roster and, and finding the right mix than it'll ever be, I think, in this first season for Ryan.
3: I want to step away from the Flames for a moment. Yesterday, Connor Bedard got his first preseason goal. It was a loss. And I think one of the biggest takeaways this preseason on Connor has been his media availabilities and how serious and intense he is, even about the preseason. What has been your takeaway in kind of watching him, not only on the ice, but how he's kind of navigated his first training camp in the NHL?
1: Yeah,
4: I uh, I really like the kid a lot. Uh, I think he's handled himself exceptionally well. I don't think he takes himself too seriously. Um, You can tell he loves the game. You can tell that uh, he's a special talent. And, you know, in a market like Chicago, and overall what it can do for the league, having him there, Um, It's all good. I do. I would caution, you know, Chicago and the NHL on throwing him out there too much, putting too much weight on his shoulders. Uh, The feeling that he's got to go out there and make things happen every night and be the face already of a Chicago Blackhawk team and in many ways a face of the league. Um, It's something that can be counterproductive if it's too much too soon for everyone. Um, But so far, uh, I mean, just to to watch him shoot the puck Mm -hmm. is something like I've never, you know, seen that early from a guy coming into Mm -hmm. the league. And we know if you go back and watch Ovechkin, we knew there was something special there. Um, and yeah, I do get the same feeling with Connor Bedard uh, that, uh, you know, the way he shoots the puck to me is as um, much uh, impressive as watching Connor McDavid skate down the ice. Mm-hmm.
3: I also wanted to ask you about Trevor Zegras. He gets a three year extension, $5.75 million. What do you see him as a player kind of down the road? Because. You know, my my kind of line on Trevor Zegers is, I'll be very excited when he does a Michigan in the playoffs.
4: <laughs> you know, Pat Verbeek will be very happy when he doesn't see a Michigan at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, interesting, though, guys. Come on. Every young camp miss, uh, young player coming out of a, an entry-level deal is being locked up to eight-year deals. You know, Jake Sanderson... Uh, Cole Caulfield, uh, uh, you know, there's a there's there's a list, you know, long. Jack Hughes in Jersey, yet yeah, Anaheim wanted nothing to do with a eight year deal for this guy because they're not sure on him. They're not sure what they have, and it's not the Michigan and it's not his offensive flair that they're questioning. It's the little things uh, that help superstars. Uh, win or carry teams or or make the playoffs and they just haven't seen it out of him and you know again uh, we just talked about Connor Bedard and you know in many ways Anaheim and that whole thing you know uh, too much too soon putting him on the cover of a video game uh, you know going viral on Instagram all of that can kind of play with the head every once in a while and Uh, you know the all-star appearances because of the the Michigan and I think Anaheim feels like you know it's gotten away from them a little bit and they got to dial it in and the best way to dial it in is to make it abundantly clear we're not sure about you so that's why we're going to give you a three-year deal.
0: Um, Speaking of not sure about you what's your read on your ice in Montreal?
4: First of all, like again, you know, to come full circle off our conversation off the off the top of the show, is there a worse place to be right now than in Montreal as uh, you know a, a franchise type of pick uh, in the draft and not quite show that you're you're ready for that and it's tough right now and at the same time I, I'm I'm not convinced that this guy's going to be any type of Franchise player, uh, but I'm not ready to write him off. His age and the fact that he's played, you know, just under half a season, and he's been injury prone. And it takes, it's going to take development on this guy. And I said the other night on air that, uh, you know, maybe the best place for him is the American Hockey League to start that process. And usually we don't see top three picks in the minors, but in 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 Montreal, if you're not gonna come in and be a, a top six player in, in, in that with with that type of uh you know, attention, then how how is he gonna be successful in the bottom six? So why not put him in Laval and and let him develop and be a go to guy and when he's ready physically, mentally, emotionally, bring him back up. Mm. See what you got.
0: Yeah. Um, very interesting stuff. And uh, the goal song stays, I guess, for the Maple Leafs all season. Enjoy <laughs> that, Nick. Um, <laughs> Stanley Cup looking forward to. Yeah. A lot of hollow notes. Um, Nick, always a pleasure. Thanks for this, pal.
4: Okay, guys. Have a great day.
0: Nick Kiprios on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline.
3: They should change it, right?
0: Yeah, they, yeah. they should definitely change it.
3: Elliot's suggestion was one of my favorite songs, Last Night by The Strokes. <laughs> Banger. Unbelievable. Maybe mm-hmm. we can come into the next segment with that one.
0: Um, you know what we're going to do next week?
3: What's that? I have no idea. I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. Okay, what are we well, doing next
0: week? We're not here Monday. It's, we'll, we'll give thanks. Sure. Uh, but Tuesday, uh-huh. we're going to have to open it up to what should be our song that oh. we come into the show with when oh. the flames win.
3: I forgot about that. We need a new goal song. Last year, what it was Burn Baby Burn? <laughs> a little disco inferno for you?
0: Yeah, victory song.
3: Yeah. So that was what it was last year, and it was awesome. Yep. Uh, this year, open recommendation. Now I do have some questions about this. Does it have to have some sort of reference to flame or fire? Nope. No. No. Just free for all? Just need, this is what we're gonna do. Just need an absolute banger of a track. That's yep. that's the only thing
0: on Tuesday we're going to take all the suggestions on the text line uh-huh. and then on Wednesday we'll pare it down and put a poll out there
3: pick some of our favorites throw a few samples out there yeah.
0: craft a few demos yeah. and see which one really hits uh, but the poll will only be on threads cuz that oh, I'm, I'm really big bad. into threads so no
3: one's going to answer it then yeah
0: that that's the it's going to take over because Everyone hates Elon Musk and Threads is going to be the new thing. Yeah, not so much. It's no longer the old. Uh... No, boy, bueno. Oh, how many followers do we have on Threads for Sportsnet 960? I have no idea. Oh
3: gosh, let me check. Quickly. Six? Do you think this sound no, it's effect is hundred. still relevant for, for sure. X?
2: Because it, it was the
3: Twitter sound effect. Yeah. Still relevant?
2: Yeah, but it's still called Twitter.com. Like I don't, I don't understand this yeah. whole. Elon X. Uh, we got 764 followers hey. on Threads. All right. Oh yeah.
0: I don't know if you can make polls though on Threads. You, you no. cannot. Yeah. No, cannot. I'm just being stupid. It's just the worst. Um, Dave Dickinson, head coach and GM of the Calgary Stampeders. Mm-hmm. It's been a tough season for the Stamps. We'll uh, talk to Dave next. Ask him about the CFL trade deadline, which is today, and then at 8:30. Probably the most difficult version yeah, ever of Impossible Flames okay. trivia. Can't wait. Probably the most impossible of Impossible Flames trivia coming up at mm-hmm. 8.30. We'll do that next. Well, not next, but 8.30. It's the big show, Rustic and Rose, <laughs> Sportsnet 960, The Fan.